0: oh boy the clock keeps ticking clock keeps moving we are passing year after year week after week and we already finished week 11 what in the wide wide world of sports is going on around here welcome to the football cavalcade i'm john dooley we are reviewing what took place in week 11 we're going to preview what's taking place in week 12 how did this happen how did this happen so quick those are more philosophical questions that are meant for another podcast at another time where you and yours can contemplate the questions of the universe, but not for this one. We just talk about college football. Yeah. Yeah. Good old college pigskin. You know, they're already starting to play college basketball. That's always jarring to me. I'm one of those guys. Like I need to focus on one sport at a time. I can't focus on multiple sports. I mean, I'll watch the baseball playoffs while the football season's going on, but when basketball and hockey starts, it always jars me, and I can't have my college basketball interfere with my college football. It's too much. I can't handle it. And there's, like, actual, like, decent college basketball games going on. I don't know if you know this. No one's ever prepared for it. Unless you're, like, an in-depth college basketball fan, nobody's ever ready for the wave the absolute wave of top of the line college basketball games taking place because it seems like it happens too quickly, like you're not playing your big games till March and you're like throwing a top five matchup like Duke played Arizona in basketball that's that's like a bit much what are the what are these teams going to be in March completely different There might even be someone who like failed out of school or two dudes who like broke their legs like it's gonna be a completely different world i don't know welcome to the football cavalcade i'm john dooley you can follow us on spotify and apple podcasts make sure to hit that subscribe button and also follow us on facebook we are also on twitter at dooley football and you can find us wherever podcasts are found Boy, this was a busy and fun week. What a fun week in college football. We had Florida State eking by Miami. I think right now we can kind of say it's Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State, and Georgia. And uh, you got to include Washington in it with that group as well. So we're going to find out essentially. Whoever wins that Michigan, Ohio State game. Did I say Michigan State? I hope not. It was Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State, Georgia, Washington. Whoever wins that Michigan-Ohio State game is going to be in that Final Four. And then uh, the loser will probably be out. It's just one of those things. Washington had a great win over Utah. That was another fun game. Mizzou dominating Tennessee. Really, really surprising year from Mizzou. I know people on the inside knew that they were going to be decent, but they kind of exceeded expectations, especially with me. Central Florida absolutely dominating Oklahoma State. That line came out and it looked really suspicious. And I thought to myself, there's no way this line should be this small. Okie State should easily take care of Central Florida. But if you followed the Knights this year, they've been just like one of those odd teams where you don't know which team's going to show up from week to week. That was a WTF performance. Georgia rolled Ole Miss. I could say, I'd like to say that that wasn't surprised, surprise, but I think we all kind of saw that one coming. Georgia's just dominant when they need to be dominant. Texas survived TCU. Duke, North Carolina was a really fun game. I don't know if you got a chance to watch that one, but Duke, North Carolina, really good. And I'm not a Drake May guy. I'm going to put this out there right now. I'm not a Drake May guy. And watch, he's going to turn out to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. But all these UNC guys just seem like the same. I don't know. I'm just not enthralled with them. I enjoy Drake May, don't get me wrong. I just wouldn't want him quarterbacking my NFL team Not that I'm dropping any hints on my NFL team. And not that I would even know what a good NFL quarterback looks like. I'm a Bears fan, for crying out loud. So there'll be some fun games this week that we'll talk about in just a little bit. But what we do on this podcast is we talk about the Big Ten. So let's move on to the Big Ten here. You know, that's my favorite part of what we do. That little section where I... I have a little section on here where I review last week's games and then we do a preview of next week's games we also do previews of notre dame Ah, the irish the notre dame football fighting irish the absolute disaster that is notre dame and what's also great is that you know this is a high-tech production because you can actually hear you can hear as we're as we're going through you can actually hear the paper being shifted around because this whole contraption is uh not working the way that it should this is a disaster this is terrible do you like this is this fun for you are you enjoying it i am i'm enjoying it i'm enjoying it all right we're back is that better does that sound good are we good hold on Oh, I need high-tech equipment. It's what I need. We'll see what happens. We'll see how this sounds. It's probably going to sound like a disaster. Um, you know, I didn't really think any of it. This has just been um, an interesting setup. I, I did some sound testing earlier, and everything was going really well. And uh, now I just found out that my whole way of doing stuff... Well, who knows? Maybe it'll sound good, or maybe it'll sound like I'm underwater. Does it sound like I'm underwater? Probably a little bit. Probably, because I can feel stuff change. Check this out right now. Check this out, folks. Totally different world. Right? Totally different world. Totally different experience. A lot less distraction. A lot less uh, vocal echo Just that just took on. It's a totally different world. This is something, I, you know, I should do this as a science project. I should uh, invite your kids over so that you can uh, watch me do this vocal science project. So I was excited. I was happy with what took place in the Big Ten last week. I watched a lot of games. And th- to me, this is what the Big Ten's all about. This is These games this past week, for the most part, yeah, there was a couple duds here and there. But for the most part, this is what college football is all about. It's all about fun. There were just legit fun games going on that you could just sit back and chill and have a good time. And then for some of you listening to the podcast, you're like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm a huge Rutgers fan. That was a disaster. I like Wisconsin. I would like to stick my head in a blender right now. But for the rest of us, it was quite enjoyable. And I think we know what games we're talking about right now. But let's talk to the first one, the Michigan-Penn State game. Oh, we're talking about America's team. Jim Harbaugh said it today. He thinks Michigan is America's team, which we all know is is not Michigan. It's not Ohio State. No, it's not Notre Dame. It's the Southern Illinois Salukis. Come on. You guys idiots or something? You knew that. Everybody loves the Salukis. Think about that for a second. Does anybody not like the Southern Illinois Salukis? Think about that for a moment. Impossible. Impossible to not like them, love them, cherish them, hug them, hold them. Long ears. Who doesn't like long ears on a dog? It's adorable. Any, think about it for just two seconds. Any dog with long ears, automatically you're in love with that dog. Yeah, then the Saluki has the longest of the ears. So obviously they're the most lovable team in all of college football. It's that simple. Uh, but Jim Harbaugh called, he said today, I'm recording this, by the way. I usually say when I'm recording this. I'm recording this on Monday evening. And he said earlier today that Michigan reflected a lot of uh, American values. I'm not saying the direct quote because I refuse to, <laughs> I refuse to read the direct quote because it makes me laugh out loud. But, uh, but Michigan is apparently America's team and we're actually, he didn't say this, but the vibe was we're a better country because of Michigan football. It might be a little bit of a stretch. Might be a little bit of a stretch. I, you know, we've, we've contributed uh, jazz. We've contributed musical theater. We've sent man to the moon. Uh, what else have we done? Quite, quite a bit of things. I, you know, I wouldn't put Michigan football on the list, but I think if you asked Jim to make his list, I'm pretty sure he'd put Michigan up on, up on top there. So Michigan took care of Penn State 24 to 15. And we're living in a hot take era, by the way, between always go for the touchdown over the field goal and always go for two over the one. And it's getting to the point where it's getting obnoxious and it's not always the right decision. Sometimes it's 50-50. Sometimes you have to delay a game a little bit. I'm talking about Penn State going for two when they were down 14-9. to nine. Like this is the kind of stuff that just really bothers me. There's no point in having to do this. There's none. And then when it was 24-15, we're going to go for two to make it. And I understand the thought process. Don't pull over. I got friends of mine that listen to the podcast. Don't pull over and call me and tell me that I'm wrong. I understand, but I think when you're playing from behind and you need like a little bit of hope, like I'm going to play James Franklin, the long game. I kick the point to make it 24 to 16. And I just say at the, at the presser, well, we tried our, our hardest and, you know, turned out being a one possession game. And that's all you can ask for. See James hire me as your PR guy. It's that simple. We tried as hard as we could. We made it a one-possession game. We didn't win the game. So how it goes. So a couple issues at Penn State. Mike Yurcich was fired at the end of the game. So Mike Yurcich is gone. Penn State is looking for a new offensive coordinator. Whispers are they want to do that to get a head start, be the number one guy going into next year. bunch of names being bandied about. And, you know, it's kind of odd because I view Penn State's offense as a reflection of their head coach and not your Sitch. And I'm not going to say that they should be done with. Drew Allers an amazing prospect, and you can see all of the promise when he plays. And he honestly did not play that bad of a game. It's just that Michigan contains everything that's in front of them. It just feels like they're so in control all the time that there's just nothing that gets past them. And I just worry about that with Ohio State. It just, nothing with any other team has gotten past this Michigan team. They've never felt for one moment like they've lost control of a game. And it just never felt, no matter what that scoreboard said, that Penn State was ever really in this game. And how about the fact that Michigan ran, ran the ball for 32 straight plays? 32 straight runs. Blake Corum was fine, and I've said this all year. I feel like Blake Corum lost like a quarter step. I don't feel like he's 100% yet. He's, He's really, really good. He's still great. They've got a very good offensive line. I just feel like some of the explosiveness that I saw last year isn't there with him anymore. I might be hallucinating. Wouldn't be the first time. But you're talking about J.J. McCarthy going 7 of 8 for 60 yards? And you go on the road and you win? So it's more impressive not just that you won the game, but you didn't have to show your hand at all. They didn't have to show anything. There's nothing for Ohio State to grab from that game film. We lined up. We punched them in the mouth. We won the game. And also um, with the interim head coach, Sharon Moore, uh, I hope I'm saying that right. They interviewed this guy all week. You know, that's how you know this is the number one Big Ten podcast. You know it's the number one Big Ten podcast because I don't know how to pronounce people's names. All I do are watch the games. I write down the print. Pronoun- I phonetically, my living room is filled with phonetic spellings of people's names. And then I record the podcast and I'm like, it's uh, Sh- Sharon Moore. It's, it's Sharon. It's probably not Sharon. I bet you it's, who knows? It's Steve. It's Steve Moore. Michigan interim coach, Sharon Moore, was crying at the end of the game. And you know what? Everybody was was getting on him and saying, oh, a little too overdramatic. But you want to know what, dude? This guy came in again as an interim head coach, won a big game on the road. His coach gave faith in him in order to be the coach. He stepped up. He did the job. You got to feel good for him, right? And he believes, his coach believes in him. He believes in his coach and he gave like a like a bro speech. Like that's like what you do when you win and you know, you want to thank all your bros. You know, you and he did it in order. You make sure you thank your family. Mom, dad, your wife, kids. But then like you get to the team and then you start going, yeah, these are the dudes that were always by me. It's John, JR, Pat, Brady, Brian, you know, I want to give a speech like that one of these days. Just thank, just thanking all the dudes, Tom, JJ, Rob. Hell yeah. This is for the dudes, the dudes that were always there. He got to do, everybody's making fun of him. He got the opportunity to do what other dudes dream of being on TV and thinking other dudes. That's the goal in life. The goal in life is to get to a point where you're thanking other dudes. A guy I went to school with just won, uh, just won a, um, an Emmy. Yeah, he won an Emmy. He won two Emmys. And I didn't get to see the acceptance speech, but I hope he was thanking his dudes. I hope that's what he was doing. Nothing but dudes. I hope he didn't thank his parents. I hope he just thanked the dudes in his life. Michigan 24, Penn State 15, James Franklin, another disappointing loss. Let's go through these figures. 3-17 and 17 against top 10 teams. Yeesh. Old James. PSU lost the turnover battle. You know, in a game like that, if they're going to win, you have to win the turnover battle. Michigan doesn't really turn the ball over. That's another thing. They don't turn the ball over. They play smart football. They're really disciplined. It's just tough to get upset. When that happens, the more I talk about this, the more upset I am that they lost to TCU, by the way, in that playoff last year. That should have never happened. Anyway, much props to Michigan on the win. Penn State, back to the drawing board. Aller, by the way, 10 of 22 for 70 yards and a touchdown. I I know he was able to scramble and get some yards too, but like, This dude has got to show up in semi-big games in some capacity. I mean, they got to – something has to happen. And here's the thing. I'm not saying they're going to move on from Drew Aller, but, like, he has to show you something. And I know people will say, but have you You watched a ton of – yes, I I watched the other games. I know he's shown a ton of the other games. But, like, you need a dude who can show up for you. You need a dynamic player. You know, I'm going to sound like that old guy. Yeah, I said, Kerry Collins always showed up at those big games for Penn State. I'm going to be saying old Penn State. Todd Blackledge always showed up for the Nittany Lions. I tell you that much. No one wants to hear old guy reminisce about old QBs. Although I will sit here all day and talk about old quarterbacks. I love it. Good win for Michigan. They take care of Penn State. We're all excited for what's coming in two weeks. Moving along, my game of the week. Oh, I had so much fun watching this game. This was a ball. Illinois defeated Indiana forty-eight to forty-five. The Illini are moving to five and five. They are still faintly alive in the Big Ten West, while the Hoosiers are three and seven. And I think the the man of the moment is John Paddock, who had that amazing drive to beat Minnesota last week. These were the numbers: twenty-four of thirty-six for 507 four touchdowns and an interception just insane number two in all of FBS this year for passing yards in a game now that's got Caleb Williams is playing this year by the way folks one could say John Paddock is better than Caleb Williams I'm not going to retort on that I saw what I saw and I said what I said I will say this about Soresby and in the Indiana offense they look much much better that this has been going on for weeks now i know illinois is not the best defense in the world but he looks so much more comfortable they look like they have an actual offense they did all this without cam camper by the way he was gone donovan mccauley had a really good game 11 catches for 137 and two touchdowns uh so i mean good game i you know, indiana played well and when it was 27 to 12 I think every Illini fan was like, oh, this is what happens. You win a big game and then you come back home and everybody expects you to win. You lay an egg. And it went from 27 to 12 to 39 to 27 Illinois pretty quickly. I mean, that happened pretty quickly. Also, Johnny Newton's a monster. I want Johnny Newton on my football team. Can we just get that out of the way? I want Johnny Newton yesterday on my football team. I'm a Johnny Newton fan. They're projecting him to go in the top 10 in the NFL draft. And I personally, as a Bears fan, I would love that. They really need an interior defensive. I don't care where he goes. I'm plopping him in the middle. I don't care what his specialty is. People say, look, that's not where he's going to project. I don't care. He's going right over center, and he's going to play there for the next 10 years. It won't happen, though, because the Bears will probably draft some project return specialist Vellus Jones, the ninth. Also, can we say quarterback controversy and give credit where credit's that we've said we've, we've talked about Isaiah Williams all year long on this podcast. He's been amazing. He's been fantastic. He's been really, really good. And it's also him and Pat Bryant and Casey Washington. Like they've got like legit receivers and they're exciting to watch and it opens up everything for love. That's what Illinois football is supposed to be. Traditionally, these have been the Illinois offenses that we've watched when they've been good. They have these wide-open, fun offenses. This is going back to the 80s. Going back to Mark Wilson, Tony Eason, Jack Trudeau, Jeff George. Fun dudes. That was actually their nickname. They were called the fun dudes. I totally lied about that. They weren't called the fun dudes. They were just random quarterbacks who all, all wound up randomly quarterbacking in the AFC East, by the way. The random thing. Mark Wilson. Oh, Just think about how bad the Patriots were in the early 90s. Those were the days. Well, at least they're back, huh? But Illinois came from behind. This was a game where they had a chance to put it away. They got the ball to the one-yard line. They fumbled the ball. They were able to recover their own fumble. I kept thinking to myself, they're going to blow this somehow. They only got the field goal. They're up 42-34. to 34. Indiana does this amazing drive. Ties the game. Great moment for Indiana, but... You kind of knew when they just when they kicked the field goal in overtime that it was going to be very tough for them to stop the touchdown and the Illini got the win and now they've got a shot, folks. I mean, they got to go to Iowa and win. I don't think that's going to happen. I'll tell you why once we get to the Iowa Rutgers game. Uh, and then they got Northwestern. So if they were to win the the Iowa game, it's all feasible. Hey, anything can happen. Anything can happen. What about Indiana? My favorite part of the game was when uh, Indiana's defense got a stop and they ran off the field. It was one of the few stops Indiana got, and they come off the field. Maybe it was after they forced, they held them to the field goal. And Tom Allen is having an absolute. He's losing his mind. Indiana's head coach, much beleaguered head coach Tom Allen, is going crazy, like trying to, like, he's getting people hyped. And, like, there were four Indiana defenders who just, like, You could tell the camera wasn't on them, but they were looking the other way and trying to walk, not away from him, but like, you know, to the side. So like, kind of like, all right, coach, like, let's calm down. Like, you could tell he brings that energy every single game, every single practice. It's a, like, it's a a little too much. Like, that stuff works when you're seven and four. It does not work when you're three and seven. Bad news. So good win anyway for Illinois. Illinois. Brett Bieleman, folks, I know we're all excited, but next week's going to tell us quite a bit. Next game. Oh, God, we got to talk about this one. Oh, we got to talk about. So, folks, the reason why you listen to this podcast is because there's a lot of Big Ten football that I know you're not going to watch. I'm going to tell you this right now. Uh, You should not, could not, please do not watch the Maryland-Nebraska game. Oh, my God. If if someone gave you a VHS tape of this, you what you should have done is immediately contacted the FBI. Yeah, that's that's a that something's going on. If someone let me move this down a little bit. If somebody is giving you a quote unquote highlight reel tape of this game, they're diseased. They've got some problems, something's going on. But um, this was one of the worst games. And I've been watching Big Ten football all year. And as you know, the bottom of the Big Ten is some pretty, pretty ugly stuff. I can't think of a game that I've seen that's been uglier than the Maryland-Nebraska game that I saw. Maryland is lost. Like, their program's lost. And they just got handed life support. They were just... (laughs) Why can't I think of words right now? What the hell is my problem? Life preserver. That's what I was thinking of. The (laughs) inner tube. Oh, man. This is... uh, Can you believe this was rated the number 19 college football podcast on Spotify? (laughs) This is the dumbest crap I've heard in my life. I saw that thing come up. I was like, well, there obviously haven't done any research. This is... uh, We are early on the college football podcast landscape. And uh, I'm just going to say that uh, this is a little bit of a disaster. But Maryland beats Nebraska 13-10 to 10 in one of the worst college football games you'll ever see. Listen, I, I know you're going to say, well, I watched Iowa Northwestern. Dude, I, you would, if you watched this game, you would be pleading for Iowa Northwestern. You would be begging. Like, let's say you lived at the nursing home and you only got to watch one Big Ten game like per week. You would be, you would be clawing on the nurse's assistant Give me Iowa Northwestern immediately. You mean the tape from last week of that awful game at Wrigley Field? Yes, anything but this. I mean, it was pretty bad. And Nebraska used three quarterbacks. Unbelievably, each Nebraska quarterback was worse than the last one that was out on the field. It was like they, went, they, had, a, they had a contest in Nebraska and we were like, all right, this guy sucks. Can we get someone worse than this? Oh, oh this is great. He sucks even more. You know what? I'm going to try something I've never done before. Can we find another quarterback who sucks even more? That's what this game was. So Maryland wins the game 13-10. to 10. One thing I will say about this game, here's what's odd about it. Talia Tegla Viola actually did not play that bad of a game. Like, he actually was all right. There was just mishaps, weird play calls by Maryland. Also, Nebraska's got a good defense. Like, call it what it is. Uh, there were some, some bad turnovers by Maryland as well, so I'm not going to lie on that. But overall, between the 20s, he looked good. We talked about this before. Talia is one of these guys, you look at the box score, and you go, wow, he played a pretty good game. But if you're watching the game, you're like, oh, something's missing. He just doesn't make enough big plays. He just doesn't make enough big plays. So there's so much in this game Oh, my God. So Nebraska gets a fake punt early. And they had mentioned this throughout the game. They said, we're going to take some risks. And Matt Rule knows after their debacle last week where they had a chance to get bowl eligible and they blew it, they really got to make a statement early. And they're at home against a decent Maryland team, but Maryland's struggling. Get that fake punt. They get the first down. Kind of feels, I don't know, like they've got the momentum. And then, boom, throws an interception. Harburg's the th- the first guy to throw an interception. And the wheels come off. Harburg is taken out of the game. Uh, Talia actually looked halfway decent in the first half. But what really got them was it was a 7 to nothing game before the end of the half. And Sims is now in the game, the backup. He started, remember, Sims started as the quarterback at the start of the year. And he throws a pick in the end zone while they're driving. Could have could have gotten some yards, kicked a field goal, made it 7-3. to three. Here's the thing. We've talked about all year long that Nebraska knows who they are. And I think they felt like that all backfired last week. And you, it's not there yet. As a coach, you need to know when your talent level's not all there yet. Take what you can get and know that your defense is going to get you a turnover, which they would. Know that your defense is going to get you a turnover and that you're going to be in position again, Make the plays that are in front of you. And when you try to force it, which they did multiple times in this game, it winds up backfiring. So they lose three points by deciding to not kick the field goal. They're down seven to nothing. They don't get the field goal. Uh, Jeff Sims has a terrible fumble deep, deep in uh, Maryland territory. Awful pick on, on... Uh, third and goal by Chubba Purdy then in a 10-10 game. So it wasn't just him. They take Sims out. They bring in Chubba Purdy. He has one really nice completion. Went through his progressions, found the open guy. Ah, Chubba Purdy's ready to go. This is the quarterback we've been waiting for. And they're just brutal. I mean, every pick is worse than the last one. And then Maryland gets the ball. They drive they kick, the field goal. Boom, game over. Maryland wins 13-10. I mean, it was a disaster. I, I can't even go... Every It wasn't like they threw four interceptions from three different quarterbacks. Wow, that sounds bad. It was the situations in which they threw the picks on top of them just being interceptions. And we got a fumble. We talked five big turnovers that took place when Maryland really doesn't know how to win. Like Maryland has lost their ability to know how to win. And then Jack Howes is able to, kick a field goal and win it for Maryland 13 to 10. Lost a game. You lost a game where Maryland had 10 penalties for 92 yards. Nebraska had one 15 yard penalty. If you would have told a Nebraska fan before the game that Maryland would have 10 penalties to Nebraska's one, you would have said, that's it. That's what we need. Hopefully we didn't lose the turnover battle. And if that's the case, game's over. Uh, They lost the turnover battle, which had a big impact, but a lot of the turnovers were deep in Maryland's own. Maryland had to go the distance of the field to get points. It's just the fact that Nebraska should have gotten points. You know, you always hear from these coaches and it kind of brings me back to what I was saying earlier about playing it safe and all these coaches get hit for playing it safe. There's playing it safe and then there's knowing your personnel. And this was clearly an instance of Nebraska not knowing their personnel and not knowing who they were. If you're in Nebraska right now, also like if you're in Iowa or if you're a Rutgers, you know who you are. You know what your playmaking abilities are. You take what they give you. And you have faith in your defense, and you go from there. So, rough stuff. I mean, a rough loss from Nebraska. They're now 5-5. Five and five. They still have Iowa on the schedule. There is nothing that's a gimme for this nebraska team and quite honestly i just i feel terrible for them because this was this was all in front of them to develop and create a new culture and a new season and it feels like it's already spiraling out of control and maryland's got that life preserver now and we'll see what they do with it and if they're able to build on it over these uh, next couple of weeks we're going to take a break here on the cavalcade we'll be back with the rest of the big 10 slate here in just a moment Welcome back to The Cavalcade, I'm John Dooley. You can subscribe to us on Spotify by mashing that subscription button. Also leave a review, leave a review, talk about how great my voice is, how good of a person I am, how I've helped you in your life, how I helped your marriage become better, which I know I've done. I know you sit with your loved one and you listen to The Cavalcade and it makes everything better. You can follow us on Facebook at the Midwest Football Cavalcade and also follow me on Twitter at Dooley Football as well. So a couple different items here as we go through our Big Ten slate. We already went through three games. You know, I I want to mention this again. Isaiah Williams, nine catches, 200 yards, two touchdowns. He's legit great. I love him so much. I just wanted to share that with you. I think it's important information for you to know how much I love that man. Him and Pat Bryant, Casey Washington. I'm an Illini guy. I'm getting it stamped. I'm going to get a little Illini tattoo on my my lower back. Other games that took place in the Big Ten. Iowa and Rutgers. So this is actually my impressive performance of the week. And there were a lot of impressive team performances and coaching performances. My MVP performance goes to kirk ferentz and the iowa hawkeyes as you know from my predictions last week i was thoroughly and i mean thoroughly assured in my mind that iowa was going to have issues with rutgers and it did not happen that did not take place um iowa took care of rutgers 22 nothing deacon hill threw for 223 yards which let's let's be honest here Deacon Hill throwing for 223 is like John Paddock throwing for 700. I think that's the, the measurement system we should really be using. Converging, con- converting Deacon Hill pass yards to actual pass yards. Iowa pass yards convert different. They're like Canadian passing yards. They just don't come easy. And so for him to throw 223 is very impressive. I will say this. I do think he stares down his receivers a little bit. I don't think he has the best footwork. I think Illinois can find some things on film that could create some headaches for him. But you know what? It looked like he's got a better ball than anybody that we've seen from Iowa this year. I mean, he looked like a, like a legit quarterback and someone who's willing to learn. And he's a competitor, too. He's a big body, too. Whew. You don't want to have to take down the Deacon. Deacon Hill, the demon deacon. When he gets hot, you have to call him the demon deacon, right? I mean, what else are you going to call him? I would go to Iowa games dressed up as Deacon Hill with like demon horns and just call myself the demon deacon. That's not really that inventive, but I would just do it anyway. Rutgers, who has been physical with pretty much everybody all year, even in their losses, and we saw it last week against Ohio State when they had, I felt, a pretty impressive performance as a team. They came out, and Iowa punched them in the mouth. I'm just so impressed with Iowa's defense, their focus. And what actually impresses me the most out of their defense, I was trying to think of what makes them so good. Their linebacking core is so solid year after year after year. They're really good in pass protection, dude. In pass coverage, they're legit fantastic. Just watch them the next time. How these linebackers react in like third and long situations. they're just they're like scientists. They're just a next level thing. they They did what they had to. They said, we're gonna take away the the Rutgers run game, and that's what they did. They said we're gonna take away Kyle Manungai. And that's what they did. If you take away the quarterback carries, because you know, unfortunately they they put those into the rushing stats in college. If you just go with the run the runs from the running back position, Rutgers who's been able to run all year long 18 carries for just 54 yards. That's extremely impressive. That's uh that's 3 yards a carry for all you mathematicians out there. I know you guys are impressed with how quickly I divided 54 by 18. That's why I have my own podcast. Don't don't mess with me. I could do quick quick math. Uh but this was complete domination. This is such a tough matchup for I thought Rutgers was going to be able to play the game that I will be stunned by how Rutgers could play that type of physical game, and I was like, "Nope, we invented this game." So, bite me. And that's essentially what happened. They didn't say bite me. They're from Iowa. They're too. They're too nice. They're not gonna. They're not gonna say that. Um, there's by, by the way, I, and I hate saying this about any game that's weeks down the road. There is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat this. for. There is no way, no way, no way that Nebraska beats Iowa. None. Zero. Zilch. Take your mortgage, whatever. It doesn't matter what the line is. Iowa is going to absolutely kill Nebraska. They're going to kill them. It won't matter if they've already won the division. It doesn't matter. Uh, Nebraska... Watching Nebraska play all year long, and yeah, they do that nice thing. Where they're going to have to use Harburg. They're going to have to not turn the. They're not going to do anything against this Iowa defense. Absolutely nothing. Nebraska is like Rutgers light with their offense. And if they're going to play that Iowa defense, I like, well, what about Iowa's offense against the Nebraska? It won't matter. It's not, I don't care if it's three to nothing. I don't care if it's three to two. Iowa's going to win that game. So, I'm just going to get that out of the way. I apologize to our Nebraska fans that are listening. I know I'm, sound, I'm sounding pretty harsh. I'm just kind of frustrated about Nebraska. I know you are too, but they're five and three. Those are two winnable games, and they blow them. I don't know. I'm really upset. We should, really should be celebrating Deacon Hill throwing for 223 yards. That's really what the, he should have been the Big Ten player of the week. Yes, over Paddock. I don't care. Paddock could have thrown for 700 yards. He's still the Big Ten player of the week. You throw for over 200 yards as an Iowa quarterback these days, statues. The better game that happened this week, Purdue and Minnesota. The Boilermakers came back after, let's be honest about it, even though I know they're shorthanded. Ryan Walters really hasn't had his full recruiting class in. It's going to be another year before things start to really turn. Purdue, even with that, looked really rough these last couple of weeks, and they came out and they busted Minnesota. 49-30, to and what a disappointing loss for the Gophers also. Minnesota could have stayed one game out of the Big Ten West lead, but when it matters the most, the Gophers kind of lay an egg, man. They blew that huge lead against Illinois. Uh, Look at their schedule. These were all winnable games for them. They should have beaten uh, Northwestern. They blow that game to Illinois, and then they have this performance. And Come to think of it, those are three games. They should be in the Big Ten West lead. Didn't happen, though. Didn't happen. and Unfortunately, that's that's P.J. Fleck, and that's Minnesota football recently. Hudson Card was really good. Uh, 17 of 25 for 251. Three touchdowns, big deal. No interceptions. That's how you win. But more importantly, they were able to grind the ball on the ground. Uh, Tracy and Maccabee each getting over 100 yards rushing. And Purdue just able to do whatever they wanted to do at will on this Minnesota defense, who's been pretty solid all year. Overall, Minnesota's defense has been pretty good. I mean, they had that rough fourth quarter against Northwestern. They've just had these moments where they broke, and and maybe the levy just broke. Maybe that game, that loss to Illinois, just broke them and broke their spirits. That's, That's very, very possible. But Purdue went out there. They got touchdowns their first four drives. What the hell is that? I mean, Minnesota's defense has been halfway decent the whole year. And they just completely—it almost felt like they gave up. Six hundred four total yards for Purdue. And uh, and no turnovers in the game. You thought you were going to get a sloppy game. You didn't get a sl- you didn't get a sloppy in this game. Purdue looked good. Uh, Minnesota looked bad. Calic McManus really didn't have that bad of a game, but he certainly wasn't great. I think Minnesota's going to have to reevaluate some stuff at the quarterback position, but I, sometimes I wonder if Minnesota's even interested in offense. Lil Newbin, my guy, my, my guy Lil Newbin, who's the running back right now, You know, I, I think he's done a fine job, but that's disappointing, man. I, I really can't think of any other word to use for Minnesota's performance. That was just a disappointing performance. You're looking for some form of a response after that terrible loss at home to Illinois, and they just lay an egg. And Purdue waltzes on you. Now, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this Purdue train, I, I know, I didn't want to say that, but how this Purdue train keeps moving for the rest of the year because they still got Indiana on the schedule. There's some positive things that can happen. And I, and I stick by the fact that I think Ryan Walters is going to be a very, very good good head coach. And uh, yeah, Big Ten West is going to be in trouble with Ryan Walters. If uh, Did we get the divisions yet? Did we get the divisions for next year? Am I, did I lose my mind? I bet you we got the divisions, and I'm talking about stuff that doesn't even matter. We'll talk about the divisions on the next podcast, but we're not going to do that right now. But great win for Purdue as they take care of Minnesota. The Gophers now in really a tenuous position. Purdue can't make a bowl, but uh, this is something nice to have for momentum for next year. Uh, moving along, Northwestern and Wisconsin in what should probably go down as one of the more pitiful performances by any team in the Big Ten this year. And I might be being kind. And we could sit here and talk about the amazing job that has been done by Braun and the Northwestern squad as an interim coach. And uh, Ben Bryant coming back, the former Cincinnati coach playing against his former head coach at Cincinnati, Luke Fickle, and getting the win. But I can't get over a bigger, stronger Wisconsin team with their quarterback back on the field with some whispers of Braylon Allen getting completely and utterly dominated and not just dominated, also physically dominated. And as we've said all year long, looking discombobulated, looking like they don't have a plan, looking like they don't have an identity. I I really, I really have to sit back and wonder if anybody within the Wisconsin administration is looking at this. They're not going to keep paying head coaches and head coaches and head coaches. I'm not saying Luke Fickle's going to get fired or that he's on the hot seat, but there needs to be some serious evaluation of his performance this year. He comes in after the game. He says, I'll take the blame for not making the guys ready in every phase of the game. (laughs) That's That's a rough statement to make. I'm going to take the blame for not getting the guys ready to play in any phase of the game. Dude, buddy, I don't know what to tell you. Is this like, I didn't recruit these players. Like these aren't my guys. And then they said, we're going to have to take a long, hard look at a lot of the guys that are on the roster. Dude, I would take a long, hard look in the mirror. I would take a long, hard look in the mirror because you're the dude who brought Tanner Mordecai here. Those balls that are sailing, 15 feet over those receivers' heads, that's your offense and your QB. That offensive line that you refused to run downhill with, those are guys you kept. I I can't make it any more clear. This is your offense, Buck. The success of this team is completely contingent on your ability to lead them. And guess what? It's been a failure. You're 5-5. It's inexcusable. I shudder to think what would happen if they lose in these final weeks. If they somehow find a way to finish five and seven or six and six. I mean, this has just been a nightmare. And here's what's scarier they should have lost the Illinois game. They should be four and six. I know you can't say that and be like, oh, well, John, you could say that about all these things. No, they legit should have lost that game. They had no business winning that game. Illinois was the better team for most of that game. I can't get over. Could you imagine if they were four and six? This he's not going to get fired, but he they will not let a second season like this happen. It's not going to happen. I don't care about who leaves or the recruiting class. They're not going to let it happen. And some people can say they made the decision to change their coach too quick. You know, I understand. I get it. It's college football. Um, but who we, man, this is a disaster. I mean, this is Mr. Brilliance. He's supposed to know everything. I, 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 sh- I need to know. I need to know you got 45 pass attempts for 255 yards. I, I need to know what, how you were hired. And this is what we're seeing. This is the production that we're getting out of this high-powered offense is 5.7 yards per attempt. Or how you refuse to run the football. Or how every game we look at it, and I understand when you're playing from behind, this is how it's going to be. But we look at the stats at the end of the game, and we've got 49 dropbacks to 28 runs. How often do you know your personnel? Do you know the guys that were recruited by the guy before you? I just, it just, and I know you lose Malusi, you lose DK. You have these injuries that happen. Allen banged up throughout the year. You lose Mordecai for a couple weeks. Honestly, I didn't see much of a difference with his backup, to be honest with you. I mean, this is, and then you look at that Washington State loss. That's a bad loss. Washington State's terrible. They're awful. They're horrible. So, I don't know. And we said it, we said, remember when we were doing this podcast and I told you about the Buffalo game? We're watching the game and I was like, yeah, it was okay. I wasn't sure what they were trying to do. Remember that? You can pull the tape. Pull the tape. This is nothing new. I've been saying this stuff about Wisconsin before it was cool to say it. I am a hipster Wisconsin doubter. That's what I am. And we're not going to call this Northwestern thing a good story, by the way. Okay, Northwestern made their own bed. This is the same thing Northwestern as is with Michigan. Harbaugh calling himself America's team. You're at fault for this, okay? The good story on the Northwestern thing is really with the players. You know, there's guys who had nothing to do with what happened. Absolutely nothing. And they worked hard and they tried hard. And you can tell they're dedicated kids. You know, they're good students and they're trying their best. Braun wasn't a part of this environment. He was brought in the, last, in the last second. So the dudes that weren't always here... By the way, every single person who was involved in the program before should have been gone, which, by the way, did not happen. There's still dudes who were there before who are still with the program, which is completely and utterly inexcusable. You can't fire fits and not let go of the rest of those people. I don't care who. The strength person, everybody, they all have to be gone. You have to clean house. They didn't do that fully. There's still people... That were there from before. That's inexcusable. But I'm getting off. I'm getting off topic. I'm cool with Braun. I'm cool with the guys and them winning. That's a good story. Everything else, no. It's not. You know, they're paying for what happened, and you know, over time, like over time, this will. You know, they'll be able to to rebuild and do what's right and do things the right way. And I'm one of those people who believes in forgiveness over time. They at some point, you know, it's going to they'll get back and, and be full throttle and a functioning football program. But but yeah, they, they still deserve, you know, a little bit of a leery eye. So I'm not going to sit here and say, like, this is a great story. I'm happy for Braun. I'm happy for the guys uh, because, man, remember that Rutgers game we watched earlier in the year? I'm talking about it like we watched it together. You didn't watch it with me, but I watched it. That was the game I, that was the game I watched so that you didn't have to because no one wanted to. Yikes. Remember how bad they looked? They looked terrible. And hey, they're sitting here 5-5. Five and five. Legit shot. Let's move on to our final Big Ten game of the week, Ohio State, pasted Michigan State. Of course, this game had to be on NBC because, I mean, what else would you want to watch nationally on Saturday night? An awful Michigan State team against Ohio State. Ohio State one thirty-eight to three. Everybody talking about Marvin Marvin Her- like Marvin Harrison Jr. How great he is, all this stuff. See, here's the thing. I don't care about these games. This game meant absolutely nothing to me. What anybody on Ohio State's offense does in this game has absolutely zero value. Marvin Harrison Jr. Great game. McCord back on track. Looks really solid. I'll tell you what I'm more impressed with. I'm impressed with Ohio State's defense, their attention to detail, and their intensity even in games that might not matter a lot. To me, that's the championship culture you really want to cultivate within your team is how they show up for these games when you go to Michigan State, when there's not a lot to to play for. Uh, uh, Coach Freeman in South Bend, are you taking notes right now? Get out the pad of paper. Get out the pen and take some notes. It's when your dudes show up to every single game they play. Every one. Doesn't matter how small they are. And they bring the same level of intensity to every single game that they play. Because you built that culture around them. That's Ohio State. People said last week, oh, you know, but did they really do that at Rutgers? They did. Rutgers is not a bad team. Rutgers is, is at home and they played a physical football game. I thought Ohio State brought it. They, that was they didn't treat that as some gimme game. They came out national TV NBC. They really stuck it to them. And uh, impressive performance there for Ohio State. Twenty four of thirty one for three. Twenty four of thirty one for three thirty five and two touchdowns for McCord. Mjh seven for one forty nine and two. Kaden Hauser was shot down in this game. Didn't see anybody else for Michigan State. They stuck with Hauser, but sticking with the game plan, some pretty good stuff, uh, and a great win for Ohio State. It's all just a countdown. We're all just counting down to what's happened in a couple weeks. You know it. I know it. It's just how it goes. What we're going to do here is we are going to take a break, and then when we come back, we are going to do a Missouri Valley Football Conference review along with our Big Ten preview for next week's games. Oh, Only two breaks this week and we're not going to do the Mac because remember last week we did the late show. We didn't get off till Thursday so we actually did a Mac review, Mac preview of this week's games. So we are going to skip that and move on to the MBFC. I'm John Dooley. We're going to take a break and we'll be back in just a moment here on the Cavalcade. We are back on the Cavalcade. Make sure to subscribe to us on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. We're at the Midwest Football Cavalcade. You can also follow us on Twitter, X, at Dooley Football. That's a D-O-O-L-E-Y, football. And make sure you to follow us on Facebook as well. So as I said before, we are not doing a MAC review. We're doing a Missouri Valley Football Conference quick review and a look at next week's Big Ten games. So to keep you afoot of what's taking place in the Missouri Valley Football Conference, the SEC of the FCS. Also, by the way, the Division II and Division Three national football playoffs are starting. We should keep you up to foot on what's going on there. There's a cut in my setup. So if you're hearing like a little scratch, that's because uh, something got cut here. What is that? I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, so teams like Aurora University and North Central College, they're in the Division Three playoffs. And uh, that's always exciting. You know, there's teams all over the Midwest that are in the D3 national playoffs. As a matter of fact, Aurora, get this, Aurora's playing Wisconsin lacrosse. I live in North Aurora, and... My brother lives in lacrosse. It's like a uh, a rivalry war. You know me. I've been a lifelong Aurora University football fan. That's, that's, uh, that's who I am as a person. So let's talk about the FCS, which is the former 1AA. The top conference is the Missouri Valley Football Conference. And there were some really interesting games this past week. Illinois State bombarded Murray State 44-7. Huge win for the birds. Puts them at six and four. They've got an outside chance of maybe sneaking into this playoff. Usually to get to the national playoffs, you've got to be at least seven and four. There are some six and five teams that make it, but you got to have a really insanely tough schedule or hopefully have beaten uh, a good team throughout that path. So there's going to be a decent amount of Missouri Valley teams that are in the national playoff. I'm just not sure what that's going to look like. But Illinois State keeps themselves alive with that win. South Dakota State buried Youngstown State 34 to nothing. I thought this was a really impressive win. Youngstown killed SIU earlier in the year. So the Jackrabbits, who, by the way, are the number one team, the number one team in FCS, you know, this is stuff you can share with your friends, really impress them with your knowledge of South Dakota State Jackrabbit football, which, by the way, did I tell you I went to the Smithsonian and they put the Jackrabbit next to the Bison? So South Dakota State and North Dakota State are next to each other at the Smithsonian. How funny is that? Huh? Funny is that. So South Dakota State took care of business against Youngstown and the Penguins of Youngstown wah, 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 uh unable to get the win. However, they are 6 and 4 and have a shot for still making the national playoffs. Can you see me moving? You could probably feel me moving my head with these long pauses that are taking place. You're like, where'd he go? It's because I'm looking at my notes. They're outside my my little viewing area. Indiana State got their first win of the year. They beat Western Illinois. Good riddance to the Western Illinois Leathernecks who are leaving the Missouri Valley Football Conference next year. I don't know if they're going to drop football or what's going on with that school. They went from being like a national power to being just nothing. Um... Not sure why a great and rich football history at Western Illinois. And it's just turned to their team this year is worse than any bad Southern team. And I've seen some awful SIU teams. And this Western team is worse than those. Indiana State beats them by three touchdowns. Indiana State had not won a game all year. I think that kind of tells you everything you need to know. Other action. uh, South Dakota moves to eight and two. This is a low-key good team. South Dakota defeating North Dakota, taking care of them 14-10. to 10. Now, North Dakota moves down to 6-4. So now they are on the cusp of not making the playoffs. We've also got Missouri State upsetting Northern Iowa. That was a huge one. Missouri State beating Northern Iowa 35-16. to 16. The Panthers also fall to 6-4. That's a huge loss for them. And then North Dakota State bombarded SIU thirty-four to fourteen. The Salukis fall to six and four. North Dakota State kind of salvages a little bit of their season and moves to seven and three. So the Bison, who were the dominant team in FCS year after year after year, three full whole losses. That's a ton for them. They're not used to having three losses uh, in Fargo. So kind of a rough stretch here for the bison this week the big game is six and four illinois state at six and four north dakota that game is almost like a de facto playoff game to see whoever wins that game will have the inside track at making the postseason uh indiana state who's one and nine is at six and four siu obviously that is a must win uh for the salukis six and four youngstown state is going to be at murray state youngstown obviously has to win that game to stay alive eight and two south dakota is at western illinois they should easily get to nine and two there four and six missouri state is at south dakota state and seven and three north dakota state is at six and four northern iowa it's kind of a big game for Northern Iowa too, and I think if you're a six and four team, you're kind of rooting for North Dakota State to win, so Northern Iowa falls to six and five. Uh, but we'll see what happens. We're going to see where the cookie crumbles and see if uh, what type of effect this has on projections and whatnot. So hopefully things don't look too bad for your local uh, Missouri Valley Football Conference school. Let's go to our Big Ten preview this upcoming week. Before then, Notre Dame's playing Wake Forest. We also do Notre Dame previews on top of it. Uh, The Irish should get a win because Wake Forest is just Wake Forest, and Notre Dame seems to find a way to play well in these games, and I'm sure Sam Hartman's been ready for this game, and he'll actually not throw interceptions. He's been really bad these last couple of weeks, but I fully expect for him to play well in this game and for the Irish to come up big and get it get a win you know if they come out of this whole deal nine and three is it really people have said is it really that bad of a year and i'm gonna say yeah it is because you should have beat ohio state and you also i don't know you just should have not lost to louisville <laughs> that's a that's a big one i mean they looked like they were unprepared for those games and going into those environments but who knows who knows i don't i don't i can't tell you the future i can't see what it holds other big games so number 3 michigan is at maryland the game will be on 11 a.m. on fox and the wolverines are favored by 19 points uh what do i see in this game i see michigan winning big i think they're really upset at everything I think Maryland's better than what they've played, and I think they'll show up for this game. This is a really tricky game. It, I mean, I, Maryland has the talent to play with anybody in the country. It's just like they decide not to. I Because I, I see it at times. I see a level of talent that is not at any other Big Ten school, and then they just wither. Uh, Michigan should – I'm going to go – I think – Census state that Michigan's going to cover. I think Michigan's going to get going to easily take care of this Maryland defense. Uh, Michigan should get 44 points. I think Maryland will get 20. There you go. That's your prediction: 44 to 20. Rutgers at six and four is at eight and two. Penn State. Penn State's got to get back on the right track. Not sure what Rutgers can do in this game. I think Penn State's going to showcase themselves. I think they're really upset with how their performance was last week. They fired the offensive coordinator. I think they're ready to really show what they're made of. They've been talked about how they don't win big games. They're not a a big-time team. I think they really want to show what they're made of this week. I think that's going to be tough for Rutgers. This game will be on at 11 a.m. on FS1. Penn State's favored by 20 and a half. Although I don't know. I don't think that they'll cover on this game. I think Penn State will win. It'll be a controlled game. Uh, I've got Penn State winning this one 24 to 7. I just still, I think the issue is still with Drew Aller not being the dude who can like bust out and take over a game. I know he's had some other games like that during the year, but I just mean like, you know, against good teams. I don't know. I've lost faith. Listen, listen to my voice. Listen to the cracks in my voice, Penn State faithful. I've lost faith in Drew Aller. What am I? Michigan State at Indiana. This is the game that everybody's looking forward to this week. Sparty is three and seven. Hoosiers are three and seven. The Hoosiers are favored by four. This we finally have hit the point where we have multiple garbage games that now are going to be put on the Big Ten Network at eleven a.m. So we get to use my favorite network, Big Ten Plus. That's you know when you get the Big Ten Plus, that's you know that's living right there. You get Big Ten Plus. You get two Big Ten two cruddy Big Ten games at once. Give it to me. How's Indiana going to do against Michigan State? You know, Michigan State is actually going to play tough in this game. They have, a, they have a chance in this game. I think they're going to play Indiana tough. I feel like Michigan State's going to win this game. That sounds terrible. I just feel like they're going to win it. I don't know why. Something's just telling me they're going to do it. 24 to 23, it's going to be bad and it's going to be dumb. Indiana's going to look like it should win the game, and then Michigan State's going to like return an interception for a touchdown at the end. I really uh, regret to say, but this is what's going to happen. Uh, Purdue is a a point-and-a-half favorite at Northwestern, which I'm not too surprised about. This is another 11 a.m. game, even though Northwestern's at 5-and-5. Purdue's a young team, and even though they've clinched not making a bowl, you know, these games matter to them. They want to make a statement. They feel like they're starting a new new world at Purdue, and this is a way for them to kind of build momentum into next year. This is going to be a tough game for Northwestern to win. I'm actually kind of excited to watch this game. And uh, it'll be nice for Northwestern if they're able to get bowl eligible. Um, You know, Considering everything that happened within their group this past year, that'd be pretty amazing if they were able to get to six wins. I personally did not think that they were going to get three. Illinois is at Iowa. I think that's the big game. Oh, did I give you a Northwestern Purdue? I think Purdue's going to win. I think Purdue's going to fight. I think Purdue's going to roll Northwestern. I think it's going to be 34 to 20. I just have a bad feeling about this. Purdue is going to have a celebration. Northwestern's going to lose. It's going to be terrible uh, if you're a Northwestern fan. But I think Purdue is building something that's going to move forward here. Illinois is at Iowa. The, this game will be on at 2.30 on FS1. The Hawkeyes are favored by three points. I think Illinois is going to win this game. I, I know you're listening to this right now. You're like, John, you lose all your picks every single week. I'm telling you how I feel right now. I'm not betting on this game because I don't gamble on games like this. But I just have a feeling Illinois is going to win this game. Illinois is going to win this game 28-20. to Yeah, that's right. There's going to be a lot of points in this game. I can't tell you why. There's just going to be a lot of points. I don't have the most faith in Illinois' defense. I think Deacon Hill is going to make a couple plays. But I got a feeling that Illinois is going to get a pick six in this game. And they're going to be able to make plays deep down the field. I do. I think they're going to be able to stretch this Iowa defense. It's really going to come down to Illinois' offensive line. Uh, that's really it. They just got to be able to give them the time. Also, quarterback controversy between Paddock and, Alt- and Altmeyer. Yeah, no thanks. It's, it's Paddock all the way. He's your quarterback. Altmeyer never, ever, at any point this year, did anything to the level of what Paddock did. I don't care if it was against Indiana in a final drive against Minnesota. This dude is your quarterback until he shows that he's not, okay? And now he's got a tall order playing, playing Iowa, and Iowa has shut it in my face all year long. All year long, I'm like, oh, Iowa's going to – I don't think Iowa's got to – oh, you know, I don't think Iowa's got to – and every single week, every week, Iowa shuts me up. So we'll see if it happens again. And if it keeps happening, Iowa, you just wait. I might pick you to win the Big Ten championship game. Other games, Nebraska's at Wisconsin. Oh, man, the battle of five and five losers. The Badgers are five five and a half. This is, what in the hell is with NBC's evening slate? Are they just going out of their way to pick the crappiest games every week? I know they picked this before the end of everything. Like, they picked this at the start. So they did this schedule. This was like a blind pick where they picked games. Oh, my God, did they pick awful games. They just had picked the worst games week after week after week NBC. I mean, these games, have, no one wants to watch this game. This is just going to be an ugly, ugly football game. I still think Wisconsin's going to find a way to win. I think they'll get some turnovers. Nebraska's going to turn the ball over too much. I think the Badgers are going to win this game 16-13. to 13. Nebraska's got to get their quarterback situation situated, and I think that's going to help them down the stretch, but man nebraska had this five and three had everything you could want to get that bull berth and i don't know man i don't know i don't think it's gonna happen but that's just me so those are my games for the week i hope you're excited for the games going on this week there's other national games to kind of take a look at utah's at arizona ooh big pac 12 matchup utah and arizona Georgia's at Tennessee. Do we think Tennessee can rebound? Do we? It seems like whenever Georgia's got to do something, they just do it. They might fall asleep for like a quarter, but then they wake up and they just pistol whip you. K-State's at Kansas. That would have been a bigger game if Kansas hadn't lost to Texas Tech. And then Washington's at Oregon State, which should be a lot of fun. I could definitely see Washington losing that game. That's just how I feel. Well, hopefully you've enjoyed this last hour or so. I cannot wait to review this weekend's games next week and then preview my favorite college football weekend of the year, Thanksgiving weekend when there's games every single day when we are celebrating our Lord on a daily basis over the... Actually, no, it's not a Thanksgiving. We're not celebrating the Lord. We're celebrating our... We're celebrating friends. We're celebrating friends and we're celebrating family. There's no country we're celebrating. There's no, nothing. We're just celebrating each other. That's why it's such a great holiday. That's why Thanksgiving is the king of holidays. Because it's not about you. It's about somebody else. And how much you're thankful for them being in your life. I don't want to get emotional at the end of this podcast. But I've got a lot of people. A lot of people that I care about. That have been extra wonderful to me this year. So I've got a lot to be thankful for. Anywho, thank you all for listening to this podcast. I love you. I love football. I hope you keep listening to this. Tell your friends about it. Tell America about it. Share it on your social media pages. Tell the loved ones in your life and I'll make sure to entertain them whenever I can. You guys have a good one. Thank you for listening to The Cavalcade. I'm John Dooley. Like I said earlier, follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You guys have a great rest of the week. I will talk to you later. Have a good one. Bye-bye.